1: So, the Orange is the New Black podcast. I am Zim Hude, one half of uh, the greatest duo on earth, my man Ace Boogie. Please make sure you follow him at New Stripe City on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Follow me at Zim underscore Huday. Make sure you check out our other shows on our um, programming with Sensy Jungle, SB Nation, all under Sensy Jungle in the Apple, Spotify store anywhere that podcasts are made make sure you leave us a five-star review even if you don't even listen to the show at all it's just really cool and it's just a nice thing to do for my segment of the show this week we're going to be talking about Madden ratings recently uh on the last show that me and ace did we talked about some of the ratings that we projected ace uh i think he wrote down some of the ratings that we uh had but pretty much I just want to go over some of the notable ones for the Madding ratings. If you're a little bit out of the, the video game loop, I understand. I'm feeling old myself. I don't play video games anymore, but I'm still very, very interested in this because I think it kind of goes hand-in-hand with the national narrative uh, based on like what people think players are playing on and how good they really are. Which sometimes is complete malarkey, but you know, it is what it is. One of the I'm gonna go on some of the most notable ones that i that I think are uh, stand out the most to me so Joe Mixon has gotten an overall rating at 89 I think last week I was saying I had him at probably about a 91 um, also you got uh Gino Atkins is at an 88 uh, It came out earlier today that J.J. Watt was at a 98 still uh Geno Atkins and J.J. to me are both kind of coming down in their career. So I thought that was very interesting that they had that. They've got A.J. Green at an overall 88. I think that's understandable because considering you haven't seen him play in about 17 games that, you know, from the last time the Bengals saw him or whatever, uh, D.J. Reader was a surprise to me. Is at an 84. He ended last year's uh, campaign at a a rating of an 88. So to see him start off playing at 84 – It kind of goes with what I was telling Ace, I think, in our last program, is that if they were to give the true ratings for the Bengals, like, players throughout, I think the overall rating for the team itself would be so much higher, and the, the, the general public and game players would just feast on playing with the Bengals, and a lot of people would be really confused. Because to give you a scenario, say they give Bengals an overall rating of 71. If they give DJ Reader the 88 or 89 that he should get, then it slides the scale up, and now the Bengals are at a 72. So then the average consumer um, playing the game is saying, wait a minute, how are the Bengals 2-14 and 14 this past year, but yet they have a better rating than – Let's say the Cardinals or somebody like that. People want to see a two and fourteen team have a very low rating when they go to that 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 main screen, regardless of what they did in the offseason with free agency. So I just think that you're going to see that a lot of these um on a lot of these ratings. The next one, and and the same could be said about Joe Burrow, um at a at a at a 76, because that was one of the ones I was going to get into later, but I jumped the gun. I'm sorry. All right. So Tyler Boyd next is 83. I think that that's crazy cuz for the last 3 years he's had an 83 and he's gone over 1000 yards and I'm not going to I'm not here to sit here and talk about what players is he better than and everything like that but I just think that's a big smack in his face because in my mind he's produced at a, a legit level um maybe not pro bowl is a lot of politics in going to it but he's pro bowl level talent in a in a very very uh bottleneck of a field with the wide receivers in the AFC so I get it you know maybe not being mentioned with the best but he's got to be at an 86 87 somewhere around there given just what he's done compared to other players and you all can go and look go look at some of those players the next player we got is uh, Carlos Dunlap he's got a rating of a 82 I thought the way he ended this season I think he was at a 84 at the end the last nine games of this past season proved that he's still amongst the top 20, 25 in the AFC as far as like the defensive line. So with that said, that automatically would put him at a rating higher than 82. Some of the guys that play Madden still give me the give me feedback that says that a lot of these ratings too, they scaled it down. So a 82 is equivalent to like about an 85 and 86 in years past. Um, the next one is an eighty one for William Jackson. I was really, really off on this. I had William Jackson at an 88 to 90 when we filmed the last show, so to see him at an 81 is just really showing, a they really want to keep the the team slider down on this guy on on the Bengals, and b he's really unproven. And I think I'm a bit of a homer in that aspect. I think we've seen what William Jackson can do at his peak. I think we've also seen William Jackson hurt, and we've also seen William Jackson kind of go missing or go without mention or go without the highlight plays. And so from a national narrative, I don't think the respect is going is there and he's definitely not a household name, but because we know what he's capable of, I think our expectations are always going to be a little bit higher and then also we're going to base him we're going to base him what we think you know his his max potential is. And to me, he's he's in a top 10 and cornerback group in the AFC. So to be at 81 is really low. I would have him probably about an 88. And I think the average Bengals fan would too. I think the average non bengals fan would probably say 81. Yeah, that's pretty fair because even if you do know William Jackson, you probably aren't thinking like he's the real Revis level, right? But we think that he is because we've seen what he's done to Antonio Brown. Next, we have Carlos – I'm sorry, Carl Lawson. He's at an uh, overall 80, and I think that's very, very on point. That's like the one that I agree with. Jesse Bates is at a 79. I would have probably had him slightly higher. I get it. Had a down year coming off a 2-14 team, 79. I think at the end of the year, a lot of these guys are going to get scaled up. Some, I, I don't see any of the guys that I've named so far scaling down. The next one we have is Vaughn Bell. He's at a 79. I thought that was really good because uh last year i was told he was at a 76 for part of the year he made a lot of plays i think they rewarded him for it i think he's right where he needs to be the highest you probably could have gave on bell was at 80. with that said you guys uh go ahead and go on new Stripe cities youtube go on my instagram page go on my twitter at zim underscore Houday, and let us know how you feel about these madden ratings do you hate him do you love him some of the other notable ones like i was saying is uh joe burrow Joe Burrow is at a 76. I've been told from players involved with this um, or in in game players as well that a 76 is equivalent to the 82 that um, uh, like a Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck came out with. So they got him right in line with that. Uh, I know Carson Palmer had a higher rating when he was a rookie as well. But like I said, they said they changed the scale on it. So I'm not really mad at it if the scale has been, you know, adjust it as so. But there are a lot of guys like Aaron Donald and stuff, if you're gonna adjust it, right, Aaron Donald's got a 99. If you're adjusting the skill like that, then Aaron Donald would be at a 96. So I don't see how this stuff is, um, I just don't see how this is working. Some of the players have chimed in on this. DJ Reader I had a really good video, if you guys get a chance to check out my page, where he's saying he pretty much doesn't agree with it. But he said at the end of the day, it is a step up from what he had because when he first came out, um, he was at a 63. So he said, you know, he's thankful for that, but he's got a lot to prove. Tyler Boyd just flat out said, whoever's giving these Madden ratings is a complete bozo. So most people agree with him on that. And interesting enough, Ocho Cinco was, uh, is, is an EA uh, representative, and he was doing a rookie class live, telecom, you know, uh, video Zoom meeting with different players like T. Higgins who didn't agree with their rating at a 73. He was one of the higher rated um, wide receivers, especially from the rookie pool. Uh, Some of the other guys that were really close, I think were at like a 71 for like Chase Claypool and guys like that. But he, he was not happy with his rating as well. But I think it's really, really telling that Madden has these guys at that and the I I think the average non-Bengal fan would probably agree with most of these things. So, to me, if a Bengal fan is listening to this right now or a Bengals player is listening to this right now, it's just a lot of things that we we got a lot of darts that we got to throw at the board this year. And I think not having that big crowd there is going to work in our advantage. I think everything just, you know, it's so crazy when you think about Andy Dalton in the past years is – some of the big moments were too big for him. And it's so crazy and I, it, to think about this. But, you know, he would thrive in this, in this environment. But, you know, the players that are going to play and ball out regardless, they're absolutely going to thrive. And some of the players that I think feed off an emotion like a mixing or a boy, I think they might have to dig deep to find emotions and find different things because you don't have that crowd noise there. But some of this stuff is going to be real, real mechanical and real practice-like. So guys that practice really well, it's going to have this really, really light kind of intramural feel to these games. Because at press, at at, at recording time, they're reporting no more than 14,000. I did some quick math. If you're taking a 60,000 capacity and then you got the Bengals – practicing six feet social distance, that would mean only 10,000. Uh, Ravens have uh, a max of 14,000. So if you are a Bengals uh, seat ho- um, season ticket holder, hit me up, let me know on Twitter, and let me know, like, have they sent you any information letting us know, like, what is the actual cap on this number? But regardless, the crowd is going to favor this type of uh, – I'm sorry, the player that doesn't – peak at big moments is going to favor this new thing. So maybe it doesn't do anything for Joe Burrow. Maybe it does. I think he actually kills it this season with, like, that That element is very, very big, and that's something that people need to not just skip right over. Not having crowd noise is going to be a big deal. And I think a lot of these sliders and different things like that are going are to go up really, really quick because it's going to be almost like, surgical type stuff for the quarterback that's zoned in and honed in on his stuff and he can't get he can't get flustered or he can't get thrown off by snap counts because crowd noise in a Seattle or a Kansas City is not is not going to be a factor this year and I think that's something big to be looking at Uh, also right now I just want to know currently as we're recording we're 12 days away from July 28th training camp beginning. Uh, AJ Green was, did not reach an extension, so he will play with the franchise tag this year, at close to $18 million. He's going to play with that this year. I don't think he'll have any problems with that, but what you'll see is probably some very, very light days from him and Joe Mixon early in, tra- in training camp. The next one that we want to get into is our boy Joe Mixon. Recently, we had a small little breakthrough. Throughout the past couple days and couple weeks, I've been kinda hinting at, I don't think Joe Mixon has that much, um, he doesn't have that much ground uh, or or leverage that he can really cover um, with this upcoming um, uh, free agent class. And, I, and I'm sorry, I was reading something just now. I made a mistake. I said that T. Higgins had a rating at 73. He actually had a rating at 71. And Clace Chapel had a 70. Some of the other rookie wide receivers, just in case you wanted to know, Henry Ruggs was at a 76. He's got a 98 speed, which is higher than John Ross. How that is, I have no idea. C.D. Lamb was a 75. Jerry Judy was a 75. Justin uh, Jefferson was a 74. Uh, there there's like 10 guys that are high ahead of T Higgins at a 71 but like I said I'm blaming a lot of that on just you know just them wanting to be able to uh, make it so that the Bengals don't have this high rating from a team standpoint so as I interrupted myself and I just was <laughs> I get super sidetracked I know it's hard to follow me that's why I need guys like Ace uh, to kind of get me right in place because I'll just go all off the wall we'll be talking about chicken seasoning by the time I'm finished this thing, if I had it my way, but we're not. We're gonna stay on target and we're gonna focus them, note to self. All right, next thing. Joe Mixon is um, the part where I wanna lead off. Coming into this, I was saying Derrick Henry, Leonard Fournette, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Phillip Lindsey, Marlon Mack, Kenyon Drake, and Todd Gurley, all part of 2021 free agency class it's been rumored that the Bengals have been offering joe Mixon somewhere in the likelihood ballpark of eight million three to four years at the time that seemed really silly but if you're looking at that class that is a loaded class and one thing he doesn't want to do and his agent doesn't want to do is get mixed up in that because it's a hard hard sell trying to tell people that you have better uh, potential than an uh, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, and and, and and although he may very well be, ha- and he might have that, it's g- it's just tough presenting that to people trying to pay you millions of dollars and convincing them that, unless you had this crazy year. But say you go into the season and he only has 800, 900 yards, he's looking at $4 million dollar, uh, a year money. And the reason why this is really, really important or why I bring this back up is because yesterday we had a breakthrough. Derrick Henry signs a $50 million deal, 25.5 guaranteed. Um, It's a four-year deal. So if you're doing the math at home, and I'm not that great at math, that's about 12.5. Now, selling people or selling the Bengals on the fact that you're worth 12.5, for the fan and just cap space-wise, it makes sense. It's like, just do the deal. I'm hoping they just knock it out. But leverage says that He probably is a little bit under that considering the market that's coming up and the variables that I'm saying that you could potentially get hurt the upcoming year. His agent should really be pushing hard for more guaranteed money, but the dollar amount might be around 10 to $11 I would love to see what Andre Parada has to say about that. I want to know what Ace thinks about that. This is something we constantly talk about, but this is a big step for the Joe Mixon Talks. He actually has some tweets that he put out and he deleted it. He said that, yeah, I see Kansas City playing it. They're paying their boys, and he, they deleted that tweet. So he's very frustrated at the very moment, Um, and, he, and, you know, you don't want these guys like that being frustrated going into the season. But Joe Mixon and A.J. Green have to prove something to the ownership, and what that is, I'm not sure. The fan is saying, pay me, pay him, pay him, pay him. It's not my money. These are millions of dollars, and the big thing is Guaranteed Monday. Chime in. Tell us what you think. This is my part of Orange is the New Black Podcast. And I hope you enjoyed that, guys. Zim underscore Hooday on Instagram, Zim Hooday on Twitter. And then we're going to do this all year. Burrow Babies, let's get it.
2: Welcome back to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. I am your co host, Ace Boogie, my man Zim took care of us in the front. I heard that he talked about Madden. I heard that he talked about the Joe Mixon situation. Well, I'm here to talk about the AJ green situation. And if you get a chance, please be sure to follow Zim on Instagram at Zim underscore who uh, also follow him on Twitter at Zim Hude. follow me at new Stripe city. You know, you can find me on YouTube under the moniker new Stripe city, uh, We've tried to get schedules aligned, but when we do have these mismatches, we will hear things similar to this with us going separate, but obviously, we're always going to click back up like Megatron and go ham against Squiller fans, but I want to talk about AJ Green and the extension. Obviously, today is the deadline. This is July the 16th. This is a deadline for anything to happen for... AJ Green on a franchise tag extension and it has passed. It's officially over. AJ Green is officially going to be playing out one year uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, what that means, we don't know. Like, there's rumors and stuff coming out that the Bengals are trying to use COVID 19 as a possible reason for them not being able to get something done. It's been said that they wanted to try to get something done in person, but with the COVID nineteen navigation, and obviously, I feel like there's some validity to that. There's, it's just really hard for deals to get done in this climate, uh, especially when it comes to that. We haven't even seen them sign Joe Burrow to a contract, so that's believable. The one risk that comes with this, though, that I don't like, is the fact that this opens it up to possibly an AJ Green not coming back. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to put that out there and say that, but. Given what this man has given to the franchise, given what he's done, I understand both sides. So for me, I think given what he's done, you know what he can do. uh, And there's a lot of doubt going on. I know Zim talked about Madden ratings. This is the first time I've ever seen AJ Green rated under a 90 in recent history. So he's getting doubted by not only analysts out there, Madden, all kind of things. So I understand it. Uh, but from my perspective, I still think that you should get a deal done. You have the money to get it done, but I get it. You know, the the current waters are kind of murky right now, especially with Cincinnati being a smaller franchise, with them uh, being impacted probably more heavily than a Dallas Cowboys or a huge market. I understand that they're already at a disadvantage being in a smaller market. So I get it. And it seems that they are um, somewhat looking forward to Having some fans, but they've already, they're, they're pretty much going to take a loss, right? So I understand it and I get it. And I just hope that these things work out in the future. Hopefully, AJ Green is a guy that will be sticking around and will be here. The second thing is there's a lot of uncertainty with the return of the NFL. We had a couple shows ago, we kind of talked about it. I think it was talking about ideal lies. That was the title of it. And, you know, with me being based in Orlando, I'm seeing what's going on now uh, just with the bubble here in Orlando with the NBA players. They're making the best out of it. But it's a difficult situation. I mean, I was just actually watching the Life in a Bubble uh, YouTube show with JaVale McGee. He's actually doing a YouTube series where he's actually giving people an inside look of what it's like for them to play in the bubble. And honestly, it does not look super appealing Um, It does seem like something that I think uh, will eventually get to players and they will seek people out and they will try to break out. I mean, you're getting reports of this stuff happening already, like guys just going and trying to get something from Grubhub and, you know, messing up the barriers. So I just look at the NFL and I wonder how it's going to be navigated. And there's been thoughts on both sides. There still hasn't, it seems like, been an agreement on what players – with the NFLPA and what the NFL have actually agreed to. You know, you, you hear this, uh, this morning, J.J. Watt tweets out, um, just to get everyone on the same page, certain things that haven't been outlined and haven't been, you know, essentially decided on. He's saying that the players want to play, the players want to be as safe as possible, they have not received a valid IDER plan. It stands for Infectious Disease Emergencies Response from any team or the league. We don't know if there are any preseason games. We don't know if there will be daily testing, semi-daily testing. We don't know how a potential positive COVID test affects contracts, roster spots, and etc. cetera. Nothing has been agreed upon. And he said, we want to play. So that obviously sent shockwaves through Twitter and and through the universe, and it seems like that has prompted some speculation because rookies are supposed to report within 48 hours. These rookies have never been exposed to what NFL practice is like, what it's supposed to be like, so they honestly don't know what to expect. They're probably not the best people to be going in and voicing players' opinions, so obviously there's still some stuff going on. Now, there's also been reports shared by the NFLPA that there are 72 positive cases among NFL players. And this is only representing two and a half percent of the player pool. So it's unclear how many players actually got tested. And I think I also saw earlier that Billy Price, uh, shout out to Billy Price, he was just on uh, sorry if I spit when I speak. Who's on our podcast network? So definitely be sure to go and check those guys out. They're doing some great things in terms of interviews. But he said that he was questioning how have all players been tested because it it seems that and I can't speak for him, but it seems that you know he hasn't been one that's been tested or anything out there. So it's hard to know what's going on in the scope of everything with COVID. But one thing is for sure, this thing is getting ready to gear up and. Just seeing how it's affecting NBA players, seeing that inside look like, from the Javel McGee standpoint, these players are being required every single day to take a COVID test first thing in the morning. So every time they wake up, whatever it is, whether they're in their hotel or whatever it is, they have all of these restrictions. And I've already seen players complaining, and it's already, I believe, day number four. So there's a lot of stuff going on out there, uh, obviously not to get into the thick of things but i i just really wonder how something like this is going to be handled they they also came out in a response to jj White and kind of talked about what's the landscape or the rules around players that get the virus apparently it seems that they're able to make a decision within three weeks whether they will continue that to continue to pay that person i think there's an injury settlement at the end of it i believe if they do get released so there's all kind of uh ramifications that haven't been exactly planned out and that's one thing that i worry about because when it comes to the nfl they have never been at the forefront of handling issues properly and now you're dealing with a pandemic and we're hoping that they can get things uh together obviously it's going to be very inconsistent across the league in terms of whether fans will be at games whether they won't be at games it's just there's no standard and to me personally I don't think that they need a preseason, just to be honest with you. Like, I understand why someone would say, hey, these guys need to warm up. And in other circumstances, yes, that would make sense. But what is the point of exposing someone like Joe Burrow or Joe Mixon or whoever to COVID-19 in a meaningless game? I mean, the preseason games are already meaningless. What is the point of even putting them out there? Uh, So I I get it. You know, there's definitely going to be a different brand of football played. But I think at this point, I think we as fans just really want to see football. I think we just really want to see sports, whether that's with fans, without fans. And the best thing for them to do is give us the utmost quality of that. And I think that I'm kind of getting concerned here because there has to be a place where there's some middle ground between the NFL, PA and the NFL. and, And they have to figure these things out. Uh, but with that being said, uh, my honest opinion is I hope things get figured out. I hope things start to work. It'll be good to see the Bengals. This is definitely going to be a different kind of season for us. So uh, definitely appreciate you guys supporting the podcast and, and everything. I know that I have been a little bit incognito, just been trying to uh, get through this difficult time and, and also trying to make sure that I spend time with the family and, and focus on work projects and stuff like that. But it's always going to be who for sure. Um, that's always at the forefront of my mind. Me and Zim were always uh, trading little ideas back and forth. Uh, we've been working on trying to get some people on, but we're not going to announce that until we officially have any, have something. So getting back to what I said, um, you know, it's going to be who they all day, every day. We're always going to talk about a lot of this stuff. But there's different things going on out there. Uh, Larry Warford is still out there, right? And the other thing that's out there that's being floated is Ocho Cinco has started his own podcast, I believe, or I believe that's what Zim sent me. Um, And it seems that the subject that came up that I want to talk about today, in addition to A.J. Green, is whether or not he should go into the Hall of Fame, right? And I was really kind of taken back because what happened was Ocho basically said, which I think he played this right, He's leaving it in the voters' hands. You know, he's not going to feel any type of way if they don't put him in. But he did say, hey, I have the same numbers as Michael Irvin. You know, whether you take that and you want it or not, that's on you. And I understand that. I get it. Senko, Ocho Chad Ochocinco, in my opinion, obviously deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Now, I'm not going to say that he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm not going to say that he's a lock. But to me, based on you know, the years and the work that he put in, there is absolutely no reason for him to not be in the Hall of Fame. Now, a lot of people are going to point to the fact that, you know, he doesn't have a ring. Well, there's a lot of people that have rings that are pretty overrated, in my opinion, that are in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I used to think, honestly, because I was too young at the time to know any better, that Troy Aikman was an amazing quarterback. And then I went and pulled up his stats. And Troy Aikman is not that great of a quarterback. He was in a great situation, I mean, I can't hold it against him because he won, Uh, but he's not like, when you look at his stats, it's like, what? Like you look at the guy's stats, right? And, And to me, when I look at Hall of Famers, that's the first thing that I think about. Not only do I think about the Super Bowls and all of that, I'm expecting a guy to have, you know, the numbers to back it up. And when you look at his numbers, it's, they're really not that good. Like, when you look at Troy Aikman's numbers, right, they're really not good. I mean, this guy threw 12 touchdowns and 13 interceptions one year, and he went to, I believe, he was selected for the Pro Bowl. Just think about that. 12 passing touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That's not great numbers. You look at him in 1994, 13 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. That's not great numbers. You look at 1993 a great year for him. You know what a great year for Troy Aikman was? 15 touchdowns and 6 interceptions. I mean, these aren't mind-blowing numbers that we're we're getting from him and I'm not just trying to go in on Troy Aikman, but that is like my perfect example of how the Hall of Fame process is somewhat flawed. Like I understand if you win championships, I get that. You get in. But if you don't have those, it should go it should it should be about What you did as a player, it should be about certain records you had. It should be about a dominance that you had, such as Chad Ochocinco, like leading the AFC for numerous years, an AFC that involved Marvin Harrison, that involved a lot of great wide receivers that are in the Hall of Fame. And he's not like you can't do that. And so a lot of people say, hey, well, some people don't like the brand that Chad brought to the game and he was so goofy. What does that have to do with football? Honestly. And I I think that's where we kind of get flawed in this process as well as as the Hall of Fame. Because when you look at Randy Moss, when you look at Terrell Owens, you know, these were things that were used to hold those guys back and it just doesn't make sense. You know, you're talking about guys that are leaders, some of the top leaders in receiving yards of all time. Now, I get if you don't like TO's personality, but that doesn't change what he did on the field. And I think that the same aligns for Chad and I And I don't even want to compare Chad to T.O. or any of those guys. T.O. is a great receiver. I only want to compare their talents. Let's just talk about the talents. In terms of personalities, Chad Johnson never had an issue in Cincinnati as far as I'm concerned. It was never anything to the point where, you know, the story in the media was about something that Chad did in Cincinnati. That's all I'm going to say. Now, Chad was only a wide receiver, you know, he made games a lot. He, he made them very entertaining. But one thing that I will say is Chad always backed up his talk. If he talked smack against any corner, any team, he always went out and bought out and always respected him for that. It's one thing to talk trash. It's another thing to go out and back it up. One person that talked trash that didn't back it up that comes to mind, if you guys remember, if you were old enough to watch this Super Bowl, was the Eagles and Patriots Super Bowl. Freddie Mitchell talked so much trash about the Patriots and did absolutely nothing. Chad is not like that. And the other thing is you have to also look at the corners that Chad went against during his time. He went against top guys, and he did his thing against all of them. And he was a guy that every team had to respect when they came and played us. They knew what time it was. Anytime Chad was on that field, it was what it was. And so then... That, that part of it has taken away because he wanted to play a fun brand of football. And we're seeing that brand played today. Whether you want to like celebrations or not, it's been embraced by the NFL. And there's team celebrations. There's all kind of celebrations that are happening. And to me, Chad was never a guy that put himself over the team. It was never that whole thing about pass me the damn ball. As long as the Bengals were winning, Chad was always willing to do what it took to be that guy. And I mean, you're talking about a a career where this guy was just a thousand yards was just nothing for this guy every year, year in, year out. So to me, Chad Oshocinco, Chad Johnson, whatever you want to call him, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And whether you want to talk about his antics on and off the field, it made the game entertaining. It made the Bengals stick out um, from a national perspective. So a lot of people that I bump into living in Florida or just around the United States period that know the Bengals but have no ties to them or are younger and stuff like that they know them because of Chad they'll tell me like the first person that I know that played for the Bengals or that brought me uh, to the Bengals in terms of that attention was Chad so this is all just for me to say like just do the right thing Chad Johnson deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying that he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. If you want to be second or third, that's fine. But I think that he deserves and he has the respect of his peers and anybody playing um, to know that he should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy for people to suggest that. So let me know what you guys think. But obviously, I mean this is Houday Nation. I would expect that you guys would would want the same. Uh, But shout out to Chad. I hope that he does get in the Hall of Fame. We'll have to see what happens. Obviously, there's other guys like Kim Riley, the great Willie Anderson. That's another one. Like, I just don't get it. Just because players played for teams that weren't amazing does not mean that you don't put them in the Hall of Fame. Like, are you not going to put Calvin Johnson in the Hall of Fame? You have to. Um, So let's get that done. But thank you guys for listening. This has been the Orange is the New Black podcast i'm your host ace boogie my co-host zim did his thing before me be sure to stay tuned and check out uh, all the content that we have coming and as usual we'll leave you guys with a hoodie.